0: Today on
1: Ag News Daily. I think we can see $10 beans. I mean, I'm I'm very bullish. As they say, I'm on the blue side of the curve, okay?
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here for the Ag News Daily podcast, and I am joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing?
2: Um, Not too bad, Mike.
0: You know, I'll tell you what, Delaney. It seems as if I disappear for a couple of days. This trade war thing kind of comes to an end. Yeah. So perhaps I gotta just be gone and just let you run the podcast, and, and maybe we'll uh we'll start shipping all our beans to China.
2: I don't know how much you do, anyways, on the podcast besides find news.
0: <laughs> legitimate thoughts, legitimate thoughts, right there, Delaney. But. Speaking of news, we've got a couple pieces of news, of course, that influence the ag industry. The big one uh, we alluded to right there with the China mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. perhaps bit of a thawing. But we also have news in that we've got a fresh voice for today for Market Monday, don't we?
2: Yeah, we do. Um, Todd Bubba Horwitz. He's known as Bubba to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. com, but yeah, he's got a lot of good insights, and he also does equities and stocks and stuff, so I think he can just share a little bit more maybe sometimes than some of the other analysts we have on that focus more on ag commodities.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just nice to get perspectives from all aspects of where the money comes from when we're talking futures trading.
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: So listeners, stay tuned. We'll get chatting with Bubba here in just a little bit. But before we do that, Delaney, do you want to kick us off with the big headline news story for the day?
2: I would love to. I'm sure, folks, if you're listening to the podcast and this is the first time you're hearing this news, you probably live under a rock. But No,
0: we appreciate them. And if they turn to us as their sole source of news, Delaney, then they are smarter than the average bear.
2: Okay. Well, I'm But they sure probably that...
0: saw the soybean rally yeah. today.
2: I'm sure most people by now know about Saturday night's meeting between president Trump and president G that resulted in a couple of different things. And the biggest of that is that president G pledged to buy quote, a substantial amount of ag products moving forward. So here are some of the details that maybe you may or not have may or may not have heard or seen yet. If you just glazed over this piece of news, um, Basically, they've got 90 days here moving forward to figure things out. Um, They've had some meetings apparently already talking about getting rid of the tariffs. And uh, Larry Kudlow made an announcement this morning that he expects China to drop those retaliatory tariffs on ag commodities very soon in order to boost those imports as expected. And I think... Think where was I reading this at this morning? I can't remember, but it was like 1.2 trillion dollars, I believe, is what the uh, trade would see, what we would see in trade if China really does Ooh. do what they say they're going to do and drop tariffs and increase um, increase purchases, etc. I and tell I you think- what,
0: even if. Even if American Ag only sees half of that, if we see $600 billion coming into the pockets of growers who have just or are trying to wrap up an incredibly brutal harvest season, hey, that is great news.
2: Yes. So I guess that $1.2 trillion was provided by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. He apparently released that number on Monday to CNBC. And I guess basically he calculated it as, you know, this is what we've been losing out on and this is what we could anticipate to see. So uh we didn't see a joint trade conference or a joint press conference after the uh, meeting on Saturday night because they were trying to be respectful since um first or senior President Bush passed away. I believe Friday evening. So they didn't make a big trade announcement or a big, you know, press conference because they were being respectful about that. But definitely that
0: makes sense. Yeah. I wondered why we hadn't heard more.
2: Yep. That is absolutely why.
0: Gotcha. Well, that is, so we hope that they are going to come out with a big conference and unveil this all publicly, or are they just going to keep dripping facts out to I, us, does it sound like? I don't
2: know. I, I think dripping facts out, unfortunately. Well,
0: or fortunately, if we can get a drip, drip, drip of yeah. bullish news in here to the markets, that might be the best thing that uh, that could happen.
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess going off of that, too, President Trump also agreed to not put another round of tariffs on the Chinese um In December or I mean in January. So
0: there we go, folks, we've got a little bit of a detente to throw back to a Cold War phrase that yeah, we haven't had to use in quite a while. The trade war. I hope I am eating all of my words on the trade war going on forever. I hope I am so wrong. And this thing is coming to an end very shortly. You too. Well, I've got just an update. Secretary Sonny Purdue came out earlier today, and he said that uh, China did promise to start buying farm goods immediately. But before they do that, or at least before those goods hit their shores, they need to have their tariffs dropped. And as of today, we don't have any indication as to when Beijing is going to officially roll back those tariffs, which does have some market watchers a little bit concerned. Um, that would be the first real concrete piece of evidence that this deal is going to stick. And uh, we'll just have to keep our eyes open and see when this thing starts to, uh, oh, I guess, mature a little bit and action starts to actually be taken.
2: Well, okay, so that's interesting because I, I want to go off. I got two pieces of news here, one about Secretary Perdue and then also a little bit more about trade. Um, Mike, I don't know if you saw this today, but President Trump also threatened on Saturday to pull the U.S. out of the USMCA deal, even after he just signed it Friday morning.
0: Hmm, I hadn't seen that. What's his reasoning there?
2: So he said... I will be formally terminating NAFTA shortly um, basically if Congress doesn't come together and approve the current USMCA deal.
0: Okay, which makes sense. That's his kind mm-hmm. of his piece of leverage with an incoming Democratic Congress.
2: Yeah. So I guess there's been a lot of rumors trickling around D.C. that um, the Democrats want to shake it up and change some things in there. However, President Trump does have the power to pull out of the USMCA agreement and then also the current 24-year-old NAFTA that's in place currently. But basically, he has to give a six-month notice that he'll be terminating that agreement to Congress. So I think, yeah, I think he's kind of using it as a scare tactic at this current point in time. But... Well,
0: yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I read an article that uh, dairy farmers in Canada... Are really pushing Prime Minister Trudeau to not sign the USMCA or to back out of it Mm
1: -hmm. because of
0: the, uh, you know, the dairy mm, compromises that were reached to come to that agreement. But I I was listening to a a fantastic podcast and I don't like to send our listeners to other podcasts, but I'm going (laughs) to let you folks in on a secret here. There is a great one and it's, I come to this from a very pro free market type of perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a shock to our listeners. But there is a podcast called The Trade Guys, and um the trade guys are two guys in D.C. One of them used to be on the uh, special counsel for trade for, I believe it was George Bush Sr. who just passed away. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is an attorney who specializes in trade. And they got talking about the political implications of pulling out of NAFTA, what happens now that the House is is switching to Democratic hands. And they they were the ones who kind of put the bug in my ear that, mm. you know, We know the Democrats aren't really going to be thrilled with signing a deal that President Trump's negotiated. They don't care for President Trump. So Trump is going to pull out of NAFTA and then their options are pass the USMCA or have zero free trade agreements with North America. Yep. And that's the strong arm tactic that I think it sounds like we'll be seeing here in the next couple of months.
2: I yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he really does that or not.
0: Well, and he'll have to pull out eventually because Mm -hmm. we're going to put this new deal in place, and we can't have two, so we have to pull out a one to get into the other, uh, which sounds like a really dirty euphemism, actually.
2: (laughs) Nice, that's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, it sounds like we're talking about uh, artificial insemination or something.
2: Yeah, okay, (laughs) let's just uh, not (laughs) tread into that subject. We like to keep a clean rating here, Mike, on the Actives Daily Podcast.
0: True, true. Yeah, young listeners, earmuffs. Oh, um, so gosh.
2: The other piece of news I wanted to share, uh, because you and I were talking about it a little bit before we started recording today's podcast, and that's kind of where the farm bill sits. So a quick update there. Um, Secretary Purdue said on Monday that he recommended to President Trump that he go ahead and just sign the new farm bill in, even though it doesn't tighten work requirements for the SNAP program. And so the House and Senate have not of course accepted final legislation. We're waiting for the CBO office to release the budget numbers and uh so then Congress will vote on it. We're not expected to see them put it to a vote until as early as next week. And what was the, there was one other thing I wanted to share about it. Now I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, the text, the final text of the farm bill is expected to come out tomorrow or Wednesday. So we'll see for sure what gets put into the new farm bill and what changes we're going to see. But I think CRP ground is almost 100 percent confirmed that we're going to see an increase in acreage there.
0: Hmm, Interesting, which I suppose is going to be beneficial to growers who are dealing with these, you know, down prices and we need to pull mm-hmm. some acreage out of production. I just, you know, my feelings on CRP.
2: I know we don't need to get into that.
0: Turn it into pasture and run some cows on it, everybody. Yeah, okay. Um, I've got just one other piece that I thought was kind of interesting. You know, we talk a lot about the futures markets, futures and options, especially as they relate to the ag futures, but there are futures and options for darn near everything, including the most heavily traded commodity, which is, of course, crude oil. And crude oil has seen an incredible wave of selling. We've talked about this. We'll talk about it in a little bit more detail with Bubba here for our Hashtag Market Monday segment. But it sounds as though, according to John Kemp at Reuters, that the hedge funds are starting to back off their very bearish projections on crude oil. They're they're slowing down their selling pace on crude as a whole. However, and this I think matters a lot more to our listeners than crude as a whole, they are still, these large-scale hedge funds with billions and trillions of dollars, are still very bearish on the middle distillates, which Delaney Mm -hmm. includes diesel fuel. Okay. So we could see the price of diesel coming down even further into the future as concerns about a perhaps global slowdown works its way into the mix.
2: Well, I definitely think producers will be happy about that.
0: Absolutely. That is, if we're going to see a sell-off in anything, it might as well be in the fuel that we all need to get our crops in and out of the fields.
2: Yeah, yeah. And haul our
0: cattle, you know. To the sale barns for those who are lucky enough to drive a diesel pickup, which, of course, I am not one of those people.
2: Well, yeah, because you pick crappy vehicles.
0: I don't pick crappy vehicles. I pick the absolute best vehicles I can afford, Delaney. It just happens oh. that I can only afford crap. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, we are <laughs> taking donations.
2: You can Free mail us cash. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Because the uh, the Lincoln doesn't have a gooseneck hitch on it, and I do need mm-hmm. a new truck, so uh, so I am absolutely for sale.
2: That's nice.
0: Yeah. Well, Blaine, do you have any other news for us before we jump into our Market Monday segment?
2: I do have two other quick pieces of news here. So even with the announcements coming out of the G20 Summit this weekend, we're still expecting to see a second round of market facilitation program payments to help ease some of the pain that producers have been feeling. We're expected to see that drop this week. And I think there'll be some changes made, but I don't know what those are yet.
0: Okay. So more of a wait and see game there. Yep.
2: Yep. For sure. And then the other piece of news I wanted to share was um, the USDA is forecasting lower incomes in 2018, which I don't think comes as a shock to anyone Basically, the ERS program is projecting net farm income for 2018 to come in at $66.3 billion, which is down about $9.1 billion from 2017. And so when you count inflation into that mix, it actually equals a net decline of $10.8 billion, or 14.1% from 2017. So hopefully they're taking stuff like that into account when they're creating that next round of MFP payments.
0: Yes. And boy, remember folks, get in there, get into your FSA office, get your market facilitation program. These quote unquote, uh, what do we call it? Delaney, the trade bailout, Mm -hmm. right? Get your money folks. Even if it's 25 bucks, go get your money. You've paid your taxes. That money's yours. Go get it. Yes. Well, with that, Delaney, the market's throwing around a little bit more money today, particularly on the grain side, less so on the livestock side. But what do you say? Should we jump into it?
2: Let's do it, Mike.
0: Let's do it. And folks, our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, we are in a volatile period. Having a marketing plan can help you sleep at night. Give our friends at Zaner a shout. They'll help you put one in place and stick to it. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or you can visit them on the web at zaner.com. As I mentioned, green on the screen in the grain, starting with the corn market. December corn up four and three quarter cents, closed at 371 and a quarter. The March up four and a quarter to close at 382 even. Looking at soybeans, they were the big winner on the day, although they did pull back quite a bit from their intraday highs, most of which were hit late last night. The January contract finished up 11 cents at 905 and three quarters. The March up 10 and a quarter to close at 917 and three quarters. In wheat, the December contract thinly traded unchanged on the day at 5.15 and three quarters. The March, however, was up five and uh, excuse me, five and a half cents at 5.21 and a quarter. Jumping over to the world of livestock, as I mentioned, we did see some weakness here in the meat trade. In live cattle, December was down a nickel at one hundred sixteen eighty seven fifty. The February was down thirty-two fifty to close at one twenty seventeen and a half. In feeder cattle, the January contract was off seventy-two and a half cents at one hundred forty-four fifty. The March down a dollar forty on the day to close at one hundred forty-one forty-five. Mixed trade in lean hogs with the December contract up fifteen cents at fifty-eight oh two and a half. The February, down 65 cents to close at 66.90. And, of course, we can't forget about our friends over in the dairy industry. Finally, a little bit of green on the screen. November was unchanged on the day in Class 3 milk at 14.46, while the December was up 4 cents to close at 14.02. Without further ado, Delaney, let's get a word from our Hashtag Market Monday sponsor before we kick it over to our buddy, Bubba Horowitz. Hashtag Market Monday brought to us by our friends at Barber Cattle. Are you looking to buy or sell quality cattle? Make Barber Cattle your first call. Laura Barber of Barber Cattle and Sons of Kentucky can connect you with high quality cattle and they work nationwide. Call Laura at 859-229-7691. That number again, 859-229-7691. Get the best cattle with Barber.
2: We've got a new voice joining us for today's Market Monday episode. We've got Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. Todd Bubba, whatever your name is, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's great to be here, and I may be a new name, and I'm an old man, so there you go.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Well, give us your background a little bit here before we jump into the markets. If, in case our listeners haven't heard you talk in markets before, what's your background?
1: Well, I've been I've been trading uh, as a floor member for 39 years. I started in 1980 at the Chicago Board of Options Exchange. I'm still currently a member of the Chicago Board of Trade, which I guess is the Mercantile Exchange. And uh, I don't go to the floor anymore because, as we know, there is no floor, but I still mm-hmm. trade each and every day. And uh, I help people with their trading. I help uh, people hedge their equity portfolios as well as how, how to hedge and market the farm. So I kind of I'm kind of involved helping people with the, the tricks and secrets that I've learned over my 39 years in this business.
0: Fantastic. Bubba, trip tricks and secrets that's what we want to talk to you about and really the big news i think we gotta kick this off as we start the conversation this detente we're seeing between the the trump administration and president g with china it's added a little bit of oomph to the soybean market how excited do we need to be here is this something you think has legs or do we need to see some beans move off the coast before the market's really going to stay excited here on the soybean front
1: well i think the first thing we have to understand and recognize is that this was not it might have been new over the weekend, but I think what happened is a lot of the media built us into a much bigger frenzy than it was. Soybeans were in trouble. Long before there were trade talks and worries, we had problems problem with soybeans and they were probably going to break down anyways, which they did. I think the boost we got overnight from here was just the tail end of where we've come from. You know, remember, we were just at 840 in January beans and now we're mm-hmm. over at nine bucks. So, again, I, I think that I didn't particularly care for Monday's close. I thought that it was a little bit sloppy. Uh, obviously, I liked it a lot better when they were up 27 cents on Sunday night overnight. So, again, I think you got to watch the $9 level here. Uh, but, again, I, I don't put stake into what China does or does not do. They're going to eventually buy from us, and we know all those sources of unknown buyers is probably China buying through a third party. So I don't put a lot of stock into that as a rule. I'm really more of a guy who follows the, the pricing footprint of the market. And the, the market looks pretty solid right now, but it's got to hold nine bucks.
2: Bubba, I want to ask a question. You said we had problems in the soybean markets before even all the trade stuff going on, and that's been overshadowing it. Are the problems you're talking about the carryover numbers and production, or what's going on behind this besides just the the Chinese trade disputes?
1: Well, I, I think it often happens. I think we were overplanted to begin with. I think there was a lot of things going on. I think we had a tremendous supply. And, you know, again, it didn't help that, that China stopped buying for a while or the, the thought of them not buying for a while was there. But again, when you look at the footprint, you know, markets themselves, the charts leave a footprint in the market. And if you learn how to watch price, that's really more important than anything else, because that'll tell you what the market is thinking and where the market is going. So if you, if you start to get too much, if you start to follow the news too much, first of all, we all know one thing. By the time you and me hear the news,
2: Mm-hmm. We're about
1: the one man person to hear that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Th- that's the first thing. So if you start to watch price action in the market, and the price action on the market was when beans broke $10 back in March or whatever it was, there was big trouble. And that was a number that if you go back to anything that I've written about or that I've talked about, $10 is a key number, and it was no surprise that they plummeted down. Now, again, the, the final push down might have been helped by the, 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 the start of the tariffs and some of the other stuff. But, again, we go back to – a supply and demand world, and what is the market footprint, and what, are the, what is the where is the money going? And the money was was actually selling beans and buying wheat, and then you know kind of dabbling in corn for a while, and now we've switched over a little bit. I think now we're going to see stronger markets.
0: How much stronger, Bubba? That's the million-dollar question. Let's talk soybeans right off the bat, since that's where we're at today. Let's assume we hold nine dollars here for the next two or three days. Let's assume you know the, the market decides that all right, we've got a price here that we like. How much more strength can we see from now through you know, let's say the end of January, end of February, time frame?
1: I think we can see ten-dollar beans. I mean, I'm I'm very oh. bullish. I'm as they say, I'm on the blue side of the card. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a buyer and I've been a buyer all along Okay, because, again, I understand what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think that you're going to see. Now, I have a thesis that goes with this, which is I believe that the equity markets, although higher now, uh, are going to sell off. And I believe that that money that will come out of equities will flow into the grain space. So, so let's start with soybeans. So, again, I think there will be a lot of new money that is unexpected new money because, as we all know, when equities rally, all the alternative investors, they run away from the grain market. They chase the stock market. When the stock mm-hmm. market starts to go down, they come back to the grain market. And I think that's the transition we're starting to see, and I think you'll start to see this work itself over, and there'll be new money coming in. Besides farmers and producers and actually users, there'll be new money coming in to buy because I think that's where real value is in the grains in general and soybeans, and, and soybeans wheat, and corn.
2: Okay, I'm going to press you a little harder, Bubba. When do you think those equities I, are going to flow into the grains?
1: I can't. I, I've been saying it for a while, so I've been looking for the equities to sell for a while. Unfortunately, we cannot time the markets, okay? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that you can never do. You can never successfully try to time exactly. I can time it for a couple of days. I can time it for in a, in a small shorter-term chart and give you what I think. I mean, I texted out last night to all of my subscribers, okay, that I said, if you, if you have more than one contract on in soybeans and in corn and in wheat, you probably want to sell half of your position now when they're way up here. Because, again, it was only a natural point that I would expected to see a sell off. But I cannot, A, in good conscience, and B, in reality, tell you when. I mean, I would think that the equities will may see the Santa Claus rally the rest of the year, which would mean that we're just putting on time. But, of course, that doesn't take into account that there's still going to be money coming in just for usage, we could get back to a bigger demand as well. But if we if I told you I, I think the equity markets will sell off after the first of the year, I think January I think the first quarter of next year is gonna be ugly for equities, which would be, in my mind makes it positive for commodities and especially grains.
2: Absolutely.
0: You, you talk about looking strong for grains. We've talked about soybeans a little bit here. That's where some value appears to be. But let's talk about the corn side of the ledger. A lot of growers, I've been at a bunch of meetings so far this winter. Every time when I ask folks who's planting more corn acres this next year for the 2019 crop season, every hand goes up. Mm-hmm. It does look like I have more corn acres. How aggressive should growers be before that March planning intentions report, to get some December 19 corn sales locked in, especially on a day that's positive like today?
1: Well, again, I believe we're going to be in the fours in corn, maybe even higher, uh, you know, going into next year at some point. Uh, So, again, I think you have to weigh before you do anything. I think you have to sit down and and do your marketing plan and figure out what your costs are going to be. I mean, right now we've got lower fuel costs, so that's going to cut into some of it. You've got to look at what it's going to cost you and, and where you are, I mean, certainly, I wouldn't want to lock in, you know, 380 if it's going to cost me 390 right? So I have to look at the whole, the whole overall picture before I get, you know, too aggressive and too carried away. I think, you know, you have to also learn how to properly hedge that market so that you can actually – I'm a big believer in being able to play in the market and put yourself in a position to benefit – even if the market goes up, you're not giving up totally the upside because there's ways you can hedge with keeping the upside wide open because we all know one thing for sure. Nobody knows when the next big market's going to show up. They don't announce themselves. They don't send out telegrams. They don't tell <laughs> you that they're coming. They just show up. And, 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 of course, it could be for any number of reasons. So I think you have to just sit down and do your solid marketing plan and figure out what your costs are going to be and are you going to hedge some of your fuel costs, what's your, what your other costs because whatever your costs are, You got to add on a few percentages for things that are unknown that we forgot to add or the emergency that shows up.
2: Absolutely. I want to pull it back big picture here for a second. Looking at the grain market specifically and even uh, the cotton market, especially today, got huge bumps. Bubba, were those all because of the trade and summit, G20 summit that happened over the weekend, or are there some other factors pushing up corn, wheat, and cotton?
1: Well, I think that most of it was due to the jubilation. Of you know the announcement, uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I think you 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 know again you, you get these initial pops. You know going into this, you know a lot of people, a lot of the big funds were shorting and shorting and shorting. And I think one of the things that I've said all along is that when you know everybody's selling around you and yet price won't break, that usually means that there's going to be a turnaround. And I think this is what happened here. This looks like a little bit of a short squeeze again with with the late day failure, and it wasn't really a failure. Again, I don't want it to be depressing. Uh, that we we sold off. I mean, just we were unable to sustain and hold those much bigger gains, and most gains were cut by fifty percent throughout the day. So to me, that's a little bit concerning, and uh, it just means that I want to watch a little bit closer here. But I think most of it was due to just the overall jubilation. I mean, basically you saw equities explode, oil explode, even gold. Now, why is mm-hmm. why is gold exploding on a day? When equities are going up, if gold, now I don't believe that gold is a fair asset, but if if you believe that it's a fair asset, why is it going towards its high and pressing against the top level? So I think this was more of an overall jubilation. I think over the next few days, we'll get a real solid footprint of if I'm right and this market's going to go higher, or if this was a one-time bump, and we're going to go back and struggle and try to figure out how to get up to the next level. Now I want to
0: come back to something you mentioned there just a little bit ago about locking in your fuel costs. Bubba if we see an equity sell-off, you know sometime here in the next year, I would imagine that would imply even cheaper fuel costs. What's your read here on the crude oil market?
1: Well, when it was 75, I said it was going to the high 40s. okay, So we hit the high okay. 40s last week. I think that, again, it's real crucial area here. I think we're stuck between, let's say 50 and 55. If it cannot violate and get back over 55, I think it's going to probably test the high 30s next year. Uh, again, I can't time that and tell you exactly when, but I I, I believe crude's going significantly lower, uh, especially over a longer period of time. And I do not think, like everybody else says, that crude is a dramatic effect of the economy. I think that the perfect example you can look at is shale producers. That's where we actually have factual evidence of whether or not they're making money or not. Now, they're still putting new rigs out, which means – that even at 50 bucks a barrel, they're making money. So to me, I understand uh, 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 that, that you, 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 you get into a position in the markets and you let things go. But, you know, again, I don't believe that, that crude oil has to go higher because, again, the shale producers are telling me that $50 a barrel, they're still making money because they're still pulling it out of the ground. So I don't know what their number is. My understanding is it's somewhere in the mid-30s and they're still making money. So you can listen to all the stories about it costs that the loans are getting called and all the other problems. But in the meantime, they're putting in more rigs, they're pumping more oil, the glut continues to grow. So you tell me.
2: Bubba, has the oil market been having any effects in the ethanol market? Because that those prices also haven't doing been doing as well as usual.
1: Well, you know, again, I think when, when, when President Trump went, went to allow E15 to be year-round, I think that took away a little bit. I think the lower prices of crude also sometimes changes the blend. So, again, I think crude itself, we've, we've got a glut, and we're not using as much. And, again, if you even with people wanting to buy the bigger trucks the bigger cars, you still have an environment that people are trying to be a little bit more conservative on what they're using. And, again, you, you can't overcome a glut of oil.
0: Now you can't overcome a glut of oil. You can overcome a glut of meat. Bubba, we saw a pretty broad-based sell-off today across the entire livestock complex. When you think of all these factors that you've mentioned, uh, perhaps some strength coming in the grains, perhaps some weakness coming in the equity markets. What's your take on livestock, particularly the the live cattle futures?
1: Well, uh, believe it or not, I'm still I'm bullish there too. I'm I'm, I'm I've been bullish for a while, uh, and and I I'm still. Uh, pretty fairly comfortable in owning. Uh, my concern here right now is in the in the feeder market. Okay, uh, feeders because and, and possibly because corn is rallied a little bit. That's putting a little bit of pressure there. Uh, but uh, uh, what I think is that they're going higher. Um, I, again, I think that uh, the overall footprint that I see suggests that we're going to test their the recent highs. And I'm looking for that. And again, I'm I'm basically on the blue side of the card as well. Uh, and I have been so for quite a while since, you know, since the beef was much lower, and we've ridden it up and watch it. And, of course, what I will do is I'll look at certain levels to, you know, unload a portion, but then I'll look to reload. And right now, my only real concern in the entire meat area is the feeders. Fats, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of, and as long as they stay uh, right now, February, above 116, I'd be good to go. And, and hogs, it was no surprise that we saw a sell-off today in February. You know, we'd rally just up to 70. So, again, I think as long as they stay above 64, we're in really good shape.
2: Well, Todd, if folks want to interact with you more or have questions about how they can subscribe to your commentary, where should they head?
1: They can go to Bubba at com. I have a special section you can go down actually for farmers or anybody, but I have a special tab for the farming community because I do a lot of work. And as you know, I'm on RFD and Market Rally Radio all the time. And, of course, you can always just email me directly at bubba at bubbatrading.com, and I'll be happy to answer your question, and usually it takes me at least five minutes to get back to
2: it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for breaking down the markets for us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. New insights, new advice. You can always count on the
0: Ag News Daily Podcast to bring you fresh voices here for Market Monday. Isn't that right, Delaney?
2: Absolutely, Mike. And if people have other suggestions for fresh voices, fresh content, ideas, suggestions, comments, concerns, etc. you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at AgNewsDaily or on our new platform at, the global, at Global Ag Network on Facebook and Twitter or head to our new website, GlobalAgNetwork.com. With that, Mike, should we let the folks go?
0: Let's let them go.